what it would be to see a man walking on water. Before I get into my message, I told my wife I wasn't going to do this. Um, But as I sat back here and we started singing that first song, I felt my spirit kind of tug a little bit towards it. Because as Pastor was talking, and he said that we need to forget about our past and we need to look near our future. And uh, what I'm getting ready to tell you kind of goes along with exactly what he opened with, and it goes pretty hand in hand with my message tonight. But we went to see a new neurologist a few months ago. And it was just me and the wife, and we went up there, and he looked at her old scans for her MS. And we was trying to get a second opinion, and the guy was talking to us, and he said, well, he said, from looking at the brain scan, he said, it it definitely looks like MS. He said, but looking at the spinal scan, he said, It definitely tells me that you have MS. He said, but the good thing is this scan looks better than the first scan. And he said he wanted to have her go have her blood drawn and have some more testing done because he wanted to test her for something else. He said it's a little bit more severe than what MS is. And for anybody that doesn't know what MS is, it, it pretty much... As long as the matter is on your, your brain, they can change around. But as long as your spinal cord, anything on your spinal cord doesn't change, it, it can't really paralyze you. And I could tell as the doctor was talking to, my, to me and my wife, I could look at her and I could just tell the fear that was in her eyes. And even as we left, we was walking through the parking lot. And I told my wife, I said, I know that's probably nothing that you really wanted to hear. And this next remark that she mentioned to me was, why can't God just heal me? And my very next response to her was, well, just because he hasn't healed you just yet, the second scan of your spinal cord was better than the first scan. I said, so hold on to the blessings that you've already received. And she just recently got a call from the doctor that she had to go have another MRI done. She went and had the MRI done, and she just got the results back in her spinal cord. The third time is even better than the second time. I don't know about you guys, but I serve a God that's an all-healing God. I serve a God that's an all-powerful God. Tonight, I want to take your attention to the book of 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, the 12th verse. Say amen when you get there. And as you're getting there, I just want to give honor where honor is due. I give honor to my pastor. I give honor to our First Lady in her absence tonight. I give honor to my beautiful wife and my children. 
I give honor to every leadership or every person that holds a leadership role in this, this church. I give honor to our Sunday school teachers because being a Sunday school helper, there are some days it gets tough. I definitely want to give honor most importantly to God tonight to give me the opportunity to bring forth his word to you. That we can sit at the master's table and eat the bread thereof. First Timothy, the sixth chapter, the twelfth verse, it reads, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Pastor, if you could go ahead and pray over the word tonight. may be seated tonight. Tonight I want to start off with a little story. And on September 2nd, 1987, this man that was a pilot went through something that was really, really tragic. He was a commuter flight for the Eastern Express Airlines, and they left Portland, Maine for Boston, Massachusetts. The pilot and the co-pilot thought they had heard a strange sound coming from the back of the plane just shortly after takeoff. This pilot by the name of Henry Dempsey decided to investigate, and as he reached the tail section, the plane ended up hitting an air pocket. Dempsey was tossed against the rear door, and there he quickly discovered the source of the mysterious noise. The rear door of this aircraft had not properly been latched prior to takeoff, and it suddenly flew open. And as the door flew open, Henry was instantly sucked out of the jet. The co-pilot, seeing the red light indicating an open door, radioed the nearest airport requesting permission to make an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane, and he requested a helicopter search of that area of the ocean that they was flying over. After the plane landed, ground crews made an astonishing discovery, and what they found was not only remarkable, but it was also unbelievable. It bordered on the miraculous, and what they had found was Henry Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Somehow, after being sucked out of the airplane while falling to his death, he had caught the ladder. He held on for 10 whole minutes as the plane flew 200 miles per hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. And then when the plane landed, while traveling close to 100 miles per hour, Henry's head came within about six inches of being slammed into the ground. It took airport personnel several minutes to pry Henry's fingers loose from the ladder he was hanging on to. 
He was holding on with everything that he had and probably with more strength than he ever knew he had. He was desperate and he was going to do whatever it took to hang on. The winds were against him. They knocked him around, but he held on. When the plane turned and a tendency to do nothing was against him, centrifugal force threatened to throw him loose, but all he could do was hold on. For beyond the limit of his physical capacity, when his strength was used up, when adrenaline was shortened, he was exhausted. Something in his mind simply shut down the ability to let go of that ladder. Against all odds, he held on to the plane. Somewhere in the back of Henry Dempsey's mind, he understood through his terror and exhaustion, if I hold on, I live, but if I let go, I die. So I'm just going to hold on. I believe that's the kind of determination that Paul has in mind when he tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold on eternal life. We are in the fight of our lives. Hell has risen up to make war against the church. Hell has risen up against your family. Hell has risen up to create a war against our children. And at some point in life, you have been sucked out of the door of an airplane. Hell will do whatever it can to keep you away from the church. Because on your own, when you are isolated and no one is around you, it's a lot easier to rob you of the blessings God has in your life. You see, this fight will never end. I've come to tell you tonight that you need the church. There will always be an enemy contending against you. Faith demands the fight. Faith inspires you to believe that this world is not all that there is. Faith reaches for eternity and lays hold of things eternal, and this world will always struggle against that. There are only two eternal entities in this world. The first is your soul. You are going to live forever somewhere. Whether it's hell, whether it's heaven, you are going to live in eternal in either destination. The second is the church. The church is the only institution in this world that will survive into eternity. The enemy of your soul understands something tonight. If he can cut you off from the church, he can claim your eternal soul, and that's what he is fighting for. Tonight, my message to you is bigger than the struggles of life. This is about the soul that you are going to spend eternity with. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. This isn't Paul speaking in Revelation. This is actually Jesus speaking. Don't let anyone rob you of the things God has in store for you. You see, Jacob held on to God. When he finally returned home from Laban's house, there was a terrifying night where he knew that he would have to confront his brother Esau. 
On the very next day, Esau, who had been spotted approaching with an army of men 400 strong, the Bible said that he sent everyone away and spent the night alone. His plan was to have a little prayer meeting with God. But suddenly the door of his life flew open and he was sucked out into the turmoil of a spiritual fight for his life. You see, suddenly there was a man there who confronted him. Perhaps he initially thought it was Esau. Perhaps he thought it was a total stranger who had come to rob and to kill him. Regardless of who it was, it was going to be a fight. Like he had never been in before, all night long, rolling and wrestling in the dirt, getting sweaty, dirty, and tired. Jacob struggled all night long into the early morning. I remember growing up with two older brothers being the youngest. My, my brother Elisha, we would always get into fights all the time, and we'd always get in trouble by grandma. But I remember one time we was in the front yard, and he had me pinned down. And when I was growing up, I hated to be pinned down. I couldn't stand it, and he knew it. So he used everything that he could and all his strength that he had over me to hold me down. And as I was studying, I was, I was kind of reminded of that story, and now I can look back at it and, and laugh about it. But at the time, I, I was literally trying to fight my way out of something that kept holding me down. Something that wouldn't let me go. Yes, it was my brother, but I still was trying to get up from the struggles that I was in. Tonight, I've come to tell you that as long as you keep pushing on and at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on to it, everything will be okay. But you see, somewhere along the way, Jacob realized this was more than just a human struggle. It was a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. Eventually, the angel commanded Jacob, let me go for the day is breaking. They had wrestled throughout the long night hours and the sun was beginning to appear on the horizon. No doubt it had been a long, grueling night for Jacob and the angel was giving Jacob a chance to give up and let go. But as the angel gave the chance to let go, All Jacob could do was just hold on. The weariness was telling him to let go, but he held on. The bruises and open wounds from the fight were screaming, give up and just let go, Jacob, but he held on. Why? Because somewhere deep in his spirit, Jacob understood there is more going on here than just a little wrestling match. Something is about to change. Something is about to break. If only I can just hold on. Something in his spirit was telling him that if I let go now, he would never receive everything God intended for him to have. So he declared, I will not let you go except you bless me. And even after the angel touched him so that he would limp for the rest of his life, still Jacob held on. You see, Jacob knew that without holding on until the blessing come, the entire wrestling match would have been for nothing. His life was going to be defined by the wrestling match that night. If I let go now, he would just carry the scar of the limp of his only remembrance of this fight. 
You see, tonight I've come to tell the church that there's going to be some scars. There's going to be some fallout from the fight. Some separations are going to have to happen in your life if you hang on. Some changes will take place if you just hang on. Some things will never be the same if you just hang on. But Jacob was determined to get more from this fight than just a limp that he would carry for the rest of his life. He was determined that if he was going to limp into his future, it was going to be a future that was blessed by God. Bless me, he cried. He had that same tenacity of spirit that gripped Henry Dempsey. If I hold on, I live. But if I let go, I die. But you see, God held on to Jacob. We often hear about Jacob holding on to God in this story. But listen to me tonight. God was also holding on to Jacob. You see, Jacob can't win that wrestling match by himself. You see, God has to hold on to him even as he's holding on to God. I just believe that in the middle of everything that is going on around you, if you will hang on with everything you have, what you have will be enough because you've got God fighting for you. The one you are holding on to is holding on to you. The one you are clinging to is in the midst of the tempest and turmoil of this life is holding on to you. You see, my, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I was doing a little research on sheep last night as I was doing a little digging and studying. And one thing that I came across was that sheep don't have any kind of sense of direction whatsoever. And as I was... Reading this, I kind of chuckled because I was reminded of how sometimes a pastor can have a, a sense of direction to give us. And sometimes it's, hey, let's go left, but we're, we're going to not listen to the pastor. Let's go right. And there was actually a story in England where I believe it was about 4,000 sheep. They ended up coming up to a cliff and about a thousand, the first thousand fell off. Well, because the other 3,000 sheep couldn't see in front of them, what did they do? They ended up falling off with them because they had no sense of direction. And luckily, the, la the last 3,000 sheep, they ended up living only because the first 1,000 sheep broke the fall of the cliff that they fell off of. And as I was doing a little study and I come across the story and, and I was on my way to work this morning and I was talking to my brother and... I said, man, you'll never believe the story that I read studying last night. And he was like, really? I'm like, yeah. And he was like, well, when you study, don't you just study the Bible? I'm like, no, you, you, obviously you study the Bible, but you also have to dig a little bit from outside of what you're studying. You know, there is a difference between reading the Word and studying the Word. But as I was telling him the story, it's about a man. It's actually a preacher that he ended up going, uh, being invited down to um, a church, I believe, in Florida, and he ends up preaching his message, and after the, after the sermon and after the church service, he stands at the back door, and he greets everybody as they're walking out. He said, but I noticed a man that was sitting all alone 
about halfway through the church, just sitting in a seat while everybody else was, was walking out. He said, at first, I thought this man was lost. I thought that, you know, he's just, maybe he's praying about something. But then he tells a story of the man that comes up to him after everybody's gone. And he said, I have a story that I want to share with you. And in this story, this man was very young. He had a good, healthy job. He was very wealthy. He ends up getting married. Him and his wife end up having a baby. All things were going good at the beginning of their marriage until all things went south. This family ended up losing pretty much everything and was living from house to house and they couldn't even have money to buy uh, things that they needed for the baby. And one night, the man said that him and his wife made a pact that they was going to end it all. They made a pact that they were just going to drive to this cliff in a car, and they were just, all three of them in the car, the baby included, just drive straight off the cliff and end it all. And as they got to the cliff, they said that they stopped there, and they, they were sitting there for a second, and the wife ended up looking at the husband and saying, hey, before we end it all, maybe we should give our baby one last meal. And the husband said that, you know, he said, at first I was a little concerned to buy it. He said, but he said, you know, you're right. You know, we are getting ready to just end it all and be done. And he was telling the pastor that they ended up going to a grocery store. And I believe they got uh, bread and uh, just a, a little thing of milk. And as they were standing in line, the, the, the husband even noticed that he didn't even have enough money to pay for what he was in line to pay for. And about the time that he thought that he didn't even have the money to pay for what he had, he felt a tap on his shoulder and the man behind him said, don't turn around because I don't want you to know who I am, but I want you to have this. And handed him the money, the exact amount that he needed to pay for the food. So as they left, they went back to the same cliff that they planned on ending their life and their family's life. And in the story, it said that they just sat there and they wept for hours. And eventually the wife said, no, we're, we're not going to do this. We're, tonight, we, we can't do this tonight. And as they left the cliff, they drove by a church. And the man that was standing in line told the lady, or told the man that, hey, I want you to have this, and Jesus loves you, and just hold on. And as they drove past the church on their way back to wherever they was going, they noticed a church sign out front of a church, and it said, Jesus loves you, just hold on. And the very next Sunday, they, they end up showing up to church, and come to find out, they give their life to God, and they, you know, they're serving the Lord and everything. This man, this pastor gets invited down to Florida to preach the service. And after service, like I said, he's standing in the back, and this man comes up and tells him the story. He said, you know what's crazy? He said, "Is that was nine years ago that we ended up giving our life to God because of a simple man that had out of the kindness of his heart to give the money exactly what we needed to pay for the, the little things that we was buying at the store. 
He said, but what, you know what's even crazier is I can tell who that man was now after nine years. He said, because that man that handed me that money was you. And the, pa- the, the pastor looked at the guy and said, sir, he said, after nine years, how do you know that this was me? He said, because I drove past a church and your sign said, Jesus loves you, hold on. And that's exactly what you told me standing in line. He said, and you also have a very unique accent about you. So nine years of this man's life, he goes without even knowing the man that saved their life. And what he told the pastor really stuck with me last night. And I, after I read the story, I just laid in bed and I cried all night long. And I was like, God, this is, this is a story that definitely needs to be shared. He tells the pastor that after him telling them, Jesus loves you and just hold on, he said, what you don't realize is just that little statement, just hold on. You saved three lives that night. As we stand to our feet tonight, I'm coming to a close as the musicians come. This fight tonight is not going away. The daily struggle of living for God is just going to get more intense each and every day of your life. Each and every day that you are called a child of God, the devil is going to try to to steal and kill and destroy you. You see, the Navy SEALs, they have a little saying, and their saying is, the only easy day was yesterday. The point tonight is very simple. It won't ever get any easier. Every day is more difficult than the last. If that's true about being an elite warrior, it's also true about living for God. I hate to be the bearer of bad news tonight, but it's only going to get harder. The fight is going to gain intensity. And the enemy is going to test you in every single way that he can. But tonight, as long as you are determined to hold on to God, he's going to hold on to you. Here's the way it works tonight. If the devil quits fighting, you automatically win. God has a plan for each and every one of us that sits in this building. He has a purpose for your struggles. Whatever you do tonight, whatever you take from this message tonight, I want to leave you with just this, and I want you to remember that at the end of your rope, I want you to tie a knot and just hang on. And if you never quit fighting, then you can never lose. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. If you get knocked down 99 times, as long as you get up 100 times, it doesn't matter because you still won't be labeled as a failure. You know, sometimes we, we think that living for God is just so easy. 
Sometimes we think that once we give our life to the Lord, everything's just going to fall into our lap. Everything's going to go smooth sailing from here. Everything that we, we fought for is just going just gonna to go away. Everything that we, we, we left behind in the world is just going to go away. Everything that we look for, like I said, is just going to fall in our lap, and, and we don't have any more worries. We don't have any more struggles. And I thought the same thing when I gave my life to God. When I gave my life to God, I, I thought, you know, my family's going to be blessed. My kids will be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. We're going to be blessed financially. Everything's just going to fall into our lap. Everything's going to be okay. And at one point, we was at the old building, and I thought that I was just on high. Everything was smooth sailing. We had money in our bank accounts. We had food for our kids. We could pretty much buy whatever we wanted. Everything was going great. Until one day we fell about $300 in the hole in our bank account. And we was driving home from church. And my wife looks at me and she goes, what are we going to do? I said, what do you mean what are we going to do? She said, what are we going to do? We're $300 in the hole. And I said, is our tithes paid? Well, yeah. Our bills are paid? Well, yeah. Then what are you complaining for? She said, because we're $300 in the hole. I said, that doesn't matter. I said, that's just money. I said, as long as we hold on, we'll be okay. I said, as long as our ties are paid, our bills are paid, our kids are taken care of, money's just money. And I tell you that story tonight just to tell you that at the end of your rope, just tie a knot and just hold on.